Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Uh, welcome to the Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial. Hi, I'm Bill, and this week the show will focus on how Gamblers Anonymous helps problem gamblers. Today, because of the coronavirus restrictions, I'm interviewing from home via Zoom, so I'd like to welcome Yvonne and John to the show. Hi. Hi, Bill. How are you doing? Hi. Hey, Bill. How are you? Good, thank you. Uh, Yvonne and John were compulsive gamblers, um, but they're recovering with the help of Gamblers Anonymous. Uh, Today's show marks the second week of the uh, 3CR station appeal which is running during June instead of our usual Radiothon because of COVID-19. Today, our guests will also talk about the impact radio has on bringing Gamblers Anonymous to the attention of the listening public. So Yvonne, um, I'll start with you. What are the things about GA that has helped you in your life? Uh, Everything. gave me guidelines on how to stop gambling. Um, there was some basic guidelines that others had followed and it had helped them. And it was it was the identification, um, you know, walking into a room, you know, my first meeting was I walked into a room filled with a bunch of guys who were older than me at the time. And I had no idea what a 12-step fellowship was. I didn't know there was a thing called compulsive gambling. Um, and I didn't know how this was gonna stop me gambling. And um, it wasn't until we sat down and we started reading our combo book that I thought someone had followed me around and written it about me. Because I relate to so much of what was in the book. And then the guys started sharing their stories and I could relate to the things they'd done and the things they felt. And I realised I wasn't the only one. And it was that identification initially that got me. You know, for, for years I thought I was the only person walking this earth doing the things that I was doing and gambling the way I was. Um, and not able to stop and not able to ask for help and all that sort of stuff. So what GA did for me was it gave me a place where I could go each week or more than once a week, depending on how many meetings I was doing, but it was somewhere safe and secure where I could offload my problems without hurting anyone, without being judged. And by talking to people that have gone through the same things, you know, we're not all brought up in the same area or, or anything like that, but we all have that common thread of being a compulsive gambler. And so there's that understanding of having walked in those shoes. Um, and so that's what made it, I suppose, bearable. It made it doable. It made it possible that I could actually stop gambling. And it was all done, you know, 10 minutes at a time, a day at a time, a couple of hours at a time. It wasn't like, you know, I sat down and said, right, I'm never going to gamble ever again. I just thought about not gambling for today. And that's the stuff that was passed on to me when I first walked in the rooms. And it allowed me to, to get a, or go back to a semblance of a normal life without gambling. You know, gambling had overtaken everything. It was the first thought when I woke up. It was the last thought before I went to sleep. It was the thought all day, every day about where I was going to get more money from, what I was going to gamble on, what lies I was going to tell to cover the lies from previously. Whereas with Gamblers Anonymous in my life and practising the principles and, and being in contact with members and attending meetings and 
you know, then getting involved in service work and all that sort of stuff. It gives me a grounding to then be able to live life on life's terms without gambling being the first thought when things go wrong. It helps you put it all into some perspective and allows you to just take things as they come. Okay, thank you. Uh, well, what about you, John? How's GA helped and what's it, what's it done for you? Well, it's given me a, a much better way of life, absolutely, without doubt. And, you, you know, people talk about quality of life, and that's what GA has given me, and I've noticed it in other people. You know, when I first uh, walked into GA, and on page one of the book it says, um, the two men who started, originally started GA in the States, they, these two men, they say, had a truly baffling history of trouble and misery due to an obsession of gambling. So oh, that's exactly what I was going through, the history of trouble and misery. So I read that and I thought, that's me. And that goes back to the 1950s when that, those, these two men started talking. And then I'm in a room with, uh, in Australia with people with exactly the same history of trouble and misery as I've gone through. And um, then once you get into a meeting and you start and the penny starts to drop and the readings in um, BA meetings, it's given me, it's given me a outlook on life. The only thing I really need to do in my life is to stop gambling. And Jesus has given me that various tools that uh, have been introduced to me uh, in meetings and talking to other members of GA. And that's basically um, GA in a nutshell. It gives me hope. Okay, thank you. Would you, Yvonne, would you like to give us a brief rundown on your, your story? You've, you've been on the program before, but would you like to concentrate on one aspect of your story that you think would be interesting for people to hear? My story is like a lot of others that walk through the rooms that, uh, you know, the gambling started and it was, you know, social. And then as time went on, it progressed to be bigger and, and better, so to speak. You know, the amount of time I spent gambling grew, the amount of money I spent gambling grew, um, the amount of times I went grew and, you know, it became a seven-night-a-week habit for me. I worked all day, gambled all night race home, shower change, off to work again. Um, and it just became a merry-go-round that I couldn't get off. You know, and I went through, you know, what I call spending my spending money to all my pay, to a batch of credit cards, to then stealing from work. And, you know, I didn't know that there was a place called GA. I didn't know there was a thing called compulsive gambling. And I just thought that this was my lot in life and I didn't know how to stop. I couldn't put my hand up and ask for help. Um, you know, I got the sack from my job due to my inefficiency because all I could do at work was think about the gambling. Uh, got another job fairly quickly due to my reputation at the time. And then a couple of months later, I was asked to leave and it was because I knew what was happening and, and I was about to, you know, the proverbial was about to hit the fan. And I finally got that phone call from the Xbox. Now, when I first took that money, I knew what the consequences were. I knew where I would end up, but it wasn't enough to stop me from doing it. Um, I was just that into the gambling and just needed to be in action. But it wasn't, you know, I wasn't brought up that way. That wasn't, you know, my morals and all the rest of it. But I did it and it's because of the, the gambling. 
Um, so I got to the fellowship and, um, you know, after I got to the fellowship, I went to court, went to jail, did my time, came out again and uh, went straight back to the fellowship the next day. And thankfully, I haven't had a bet since I walked in the rooms. And it's only because I've done what was suggested. If anyone had have told me that I have to do something, I would have told them where to go. Um, but, you know, just having suggestions and people before me that had done the, the steps, that had done the suggested things, and I could see that their lives were a lot better, and that's what I wanted. I wanted a better life. I wanted to be, you know, some semblance of normal, whatever that is. Um, but, you know, to be able to wake up in the morning and not have the first thing in my head um, about where I was going to get my money from or what I was going to gamble on, just being able to be a normal person in society, you know, being able to do a job and actually concentrate on that work and be proud to be someone who actually cared about people, um, you know, and that's what I've got today. Today my life is really simple. It's about doing the things that I can and letting go of the things that I can't. It's trying to tackle things one day at a time. You know, life has its ups and downs, but, you know, when those, you know, ups or downs, either way, when issues arise, gambling isn't the first thought anymore. You know, the first thought is what can I do? Who do I talk to? Where can I get help from? You know, GA gives you a whole bunch of tools. I'll call it my little toolbox that sits in the corner, depending on what comes up as to what I might use out of that toolbox, whether it be talking to my sponsor, talking to another member, getting to another meeting, you know, just hashing it out, you know, but being proactive and not pretending that the issue doesn't exist and just trying to bury it. Because my gambling was all about escapism. It was just not wanting to deal with life on life's terms. Um, whereas today, you know, I tackle things head on. Um, I don't shy away from stuff. And, you know, it just allows me to lead a fairly serene life. You know, like I said, we all have ups and downs and we're all dealing through, you know, the COVID-19 stuff at the moment. Um, but, we're, you know, it's not the end of the world. You know, there are alternatives to doing things and, and, you know, if we have to stay home and be safe, then that's fine. But the fellowship's just given me a life that I really appreciate and I'm grateful for. You know, I'm grateful for a lot of stuff in life these days where previously I'd just taken everything for granted. So, um, Yvonne, we've, um, we've had GA on the show since September 2017 and I think you've been the coordinator all, the, all that time, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. So I, I look back over our records and we've had um, 31 GA members appear on the show, uh, which is great. And we've got um, 25 podcasts in the show and they've been downloaded over 12,000 times. So so clearly members enjoy having, um, having their voices on air and to be able to listen to, um, to the podcast. So... What, what's the feeling in GA about being able to get on the radio? Oh, look, those that have done the interviews are quite excited that they've done them and, you know, their stories are there and they're sharing their experience, strength and hope with others. Um, you know, there's a lot of members that will actually listen to the podcast. You know, there's a lot that drive around for work, for example. So they'll listen to them in the car rather than listening to, you know, general radio and all the ads and that sort of thing. So they'll listen to a podcast and, you know, for newer members, um, you know, it, it's been helpful where they can go on and listen to other people's stories if they're not really able to get to a lot of different meetings, you know, but they can still listen to a whole variety of people on radio 
via the podcast and things um, for those that are thinking about doing an interview but have never done one before and they're all a bit anxious and unsure by listening to a podcast they get the uh, you know the idea of what's involved or, or how it sort of goes so they get an idea of you know how easy it is to do um, so it's been really helpful you know and it does spread the word you know um, with others because there are others that will jump on the podcast section of your show and obviously there are other um, 12-step fellowships involved and you know they might be on there to hear something else but then they'll hear one of ours and you know and it's just that familiarity like the 12-step program is a 12-step program and they're all pretty similar they just deal with different addictions so I think there's a, a lot of the crossover as well people are listening to other stories and still getting that strength and hope because you just you know change the word drinking to gambling or whatever within people's stories and you still get the same gist that's what I, feedback i've sort of had over the time it's been great yeah oh good um so do you have any difficulty getting members to come on the show is there any reluctance there is and part of it is the unknown part of it is that you know that people don't see themselves as being able to contribute um you know their self-esteem is so low and, you know, they feel like really bad people and they don't see how they could possibly contribute until, you know, we tell them how easy it is and, and how worthwhile it is. And it's not until you've actually done one that you actually realise how good it can be, just, you know, sharing your story. Um, and so there's a lot of reluctance. Part of it is, you know, not being able to get off in the middle of the day to go into the radio station and actually do an interview because most people work and all that sort of thing so it's hard to get volunteers and you know volunteers in general it doesn't matter where you where you are in the world getting volunteers to do things um can be a struggle and and this is where we come a, a bit of a an issue where people struggle to be you know there's those that would like to and aren't able to um, so maybe in the future you know zoom meetings have opened up a lot of eyes in a lot of areas in the world um, it might be something that might be able to be, you know, help get others involved and maybe broaden those horizons. But, yeah. 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 When, uh, I think Zoom has made it a little easier for people to um, to feel like they can participate. There's, there's more time, more, more uh, times when it's convenient for people. Um, and it's made the process a little easier as well, I think. Particularly part of fellowship, problems like GA if it's small you know small fellowship getting a number of people who are willing to to volunteer is difficult but zoom allows that to sort of extend the boundaries so we can extend out to you know country Victoria or Australia so if you, is there any interest in um, I guess the broader GA to, um, to to be involved in the show Interesting. I haven't actually put it out there. Like I've had, um, you know, there's occasions where I've sent out a text message to a lot of people saying, hey, we need someone for next week. Who's around? Who's available? Um, and I have a couple of, you know, different text message groups on my phone. Um, and some of those people are actually interstate. And I've had people say, what's this 3CR radio? Like, what are you doing? Um, so there probably would be interest. Like if I put it out there and I, and I were able to do it on Zoom, I think we'd have a lot of interest. Um, you know, Victoria, in in relation to the size of Gamblers Anonymous in Australia, Victoria is a, a small portion. We're only about 
when you look at the number of meetings we have, for example, we've got about 30 meetings. In Sydney or in New South Wales, there's about 70 meetings or so. Yeah. And in Queensland, there's probably about 40 or 40, 45. In South Australia, there's only seven. And Hobart, like in Tassie, there's one. Um, yep. <laughs> you know, WA's got maybe four or five. And that's really it. We're actually a small fellowship in comparison to, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous who might have, you know, 100 meetings across Australia any given day. Yep. You know, we, we don't. We, we barely, you know, we, we barely have one meeting a day on some days and others, you know, there might be half a dozen. So if we were to broaden the horizons, I think there'd be a lot more interest. And radio is one of those things, um, you know, that you, you know, you jump online and listen to a podcast, you know, or you can jump online and listen to the radio, that sort of thing. It's a lot more available, you know. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Yeah, a lot of people don't realise that shows, well, stations like 3CR and shows like Living Free are basically run by volunteers. And so, you know, all the people who come on the show, and myself and, and the people around 3CR, you know, there's lots of volunteers. So part of um, the volunteering thing is people are giving their time and, you know, it's, it's part of what we call in the fellowship, part of service. It's giving back. Um, and so it really, it does, it does feel good. And I'm, I'm a member of another fellowship, but, um, you know, being involved with recovery generally makes me feel good. And it's, I think it's a, a good reason for people to get involved you know, in, in fellowship to try and help spread the message of recovery because recovered people are a benefit to society. You know, the sooner you can get us to recover, the, yeah. better, the better society is. So yeah. it's, it's a win-win in real terms. So does radio provide a good way of spreading the message about GA? I think it does. You know, we've done radio in the past, but it's usually been centred around an issue. Um, you know, so there'll be something happening in the media and all of a sudden they'll contact us and say, look, we'd love to do a radio interview. And, you know, and as John, you know, we don't have opinions on outside issues. And there's been a few times I've gone along and done a radio interview with another member and, you know, and then they try and hijack you and try and get you to discuss the issue. Um, and then they get a little peeved when you sort of shut them down and, and say that we have no opinions on outside issues. Um, you know, we can give a personal opinion, but that's not what we were there to do. Um, but there's been some interviews that have been really great and they've been for the right reasons and got the message out there. But the thing is with normal radio where, you know, prior to podcasts, they weren't recorded. And so it was either you listened to it then and there or you sort of missed it. It's hard to sort of... It's not there to, to get back to at any point. Um, so it was, it was done and it sort of spread the message to whoever was listening at the time, but that's as far as it reached. It didn't yeah. sort of go any further. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, let's take a short break. QR Code is an LGBTIQA plus health podcast made by queers. Across eight episodes, hear us engaging with our communities, discussing diverse and intersecting topics on In Your Face on the last Friday of every month or download from 3cr.org.au forward slash QR code and follow us on Facebook at QR Code 3CR funded by the City of Yarra 3CR is your station in solidarity and struggle we've been with you since 1976 and we are here to stay throughout June we're running a station appeal 
We need the financial support of our listeners to stay independent, community-owned and radical. Jump online and give what you can. Go to 3cr.org.au. This is The Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM radio dial and 3CR on digital radio. If you're interested in listening to one of our many podcasts, then either head to your preferred podcast provider or just Google 3CR Living Free. On our show's webpage, you'll also find details about The Living Free Show and how you can contact us. Alternatively, you can just call 3CR Office on 03 8377 and leave a message. Today I'm talking about compulsive gambling with Yvonne and John, and they're talking about recovery through Gamblers Anonymous. I was going to ask you, Yvonne, is it difficult to reach problem gamblers? I'm going to say part of the problem is, and with all things related to 12th step, is denial. So is it difficult to reach people who are, gambl- who are problem gamblers because of that denial? Yeah, it is. Look, a lot of the calls that we get, a lot of the queries that we get through email off our website and that sort of thing, a lot of those um, are instigated by family members or loved ones or friends of compulsive gamblers. Um, You know, in Victoria, we have Gamblers Help, which is the government-funded program, and they do the advertising on TV, and, and that's what people know as you know, the available help for gamblers. We're not wide, widely known in the in the realms of the public eye. So we're not often the first thought. But, um, you know, when people do find us, it's not always the gambler that is looking for us. It's usually family members trying to get help for them. Um, so that's their, you know, they eventually get onto our website or they give us a call. But then it's a matter of trying to get the, the gambler to actually admit that there's a problem before they're willing to get help. And a lot of the time, denial is exactly what it is. They will say that it's not that bad or, you know, they're still hiding things from their family and they won't confess totally um, until it gets to a point where the individual is sick and tired of being sick and tired when they've absolutely had enough and then they're finally ready to surrender. Um, You know, we're quite strong-willed people and, you know, in general and, um, you know, we think we can sort it out on our own and that sort of thing. So... Reaching those that need the help is difficult. Um, you know, we've been trying to make connections with organisations. You know, I've had a contact with Lifeline recently, wanting some information, pamphlets and that sort of thing. Um, you know, we help out with a couple of rehab hospitals uh, where they reach out and ask their members to attend our meetings while they're doing their rehab um, sessions. Um, you know, so we're, we're getting out there, but the problem is, you know, we're a voluntary organisation just like many other you know, organisations in that sense. And the roles change. We don't have one person that's been in a role coordinating. We're not professionals. We're just ordinary human beings trying to do the best we can. And so, you know, we might get some public relations stuff happening and we get some radio and we get some press and we'll go visit a few of these things that John was talking about, you know, police stations and doctor surgeries and, you know, send our flyers out to people. But then there's no follow-up. You know, the following year comes around and people change and it's that rotation and it's the the lack of consistency, Um, you know, and we are there. And I think having our, we've got a new website that's been around for a couple of years now and that's definitely been helpful where there's somewhere that people can go to. It's widely, you know, spread 
amongst you know people the professionals um, you know we have contact with gamblers help they've got our details and they pass those on to those that are beyond their reach of, of assistance um, so it's it's getting a little better and you know a lot more people are googling these days and all that sort of stuff so it is getting a little easier but you still can't make someone walk through the doors into a meeting to get the help they need yeah um another question what what about the families of gamblers um i i personally know um a family of a gambler and um and they have a lot of trouble understanding why gamblers gamble uh so is there any help for the families yeah there is but unfortunately the only meeting we had in victoria which had been running for years has actually closed it closed a couple of years ago um and there's nothing in in south australia or tassie either um so the closest is there's a couple of groups in, in new south wales and there's a couple of groups in queensland so whenever i get queries from family members i always direct them to gammonon um, and they have, we've got some of their details on our website as well. Um, so Gammonon is for family and friends of compulsive gamblers. It's a, another 12-step fellowship similar to Al-Anon and that sort of thing. Um, so I always direct them to make the call to someone in, in, in fellowship that they can talk to um, and at least get some help, you know, via some literature or being able to chat to someone. We're hoping that after our national conference that we might have enough interest to get another group started in Victoria and possibly South Australia. But at this stage, it's basically just trying to pass them on to those that can help them. Um, and, and those members are willing to take their calls in other states. It's just hard not having that face-to-face -face contact. But again, Zoom meetings is something that I think we're all looking at as far as trying to reach those that are not reachable whether it be regional Victoria or whether it be that you're in an area that just doesn't have a meeting available. And I think that's where it might actually help the Gammonon Fellowship as well, where they could probably reach others through a Zoom meeting rather than face-to-face because -face, it's just too hard to do because they're not in the same state, for example. Yeah, that, that was another thing I was uh, thinking of as well, the um, isolated, isolated gamblers, uh, because, you know, the, the rise of internet gambling means that you can gamble from anywhere really and so what sort of services can you provide to the isolated gambler well at the moment we've got zoom meetings running every day in melbourne um, and anyone's welcome to join we've had people from overseas joining our meetings on quite a regular basis uh, whether it be from the uk or the us or we had a guy from poland um, thailand there's people stuck in singapore you know south africa germany you know, people are jumping on from everywhere, including other states in Australia as well, New Zealand. Um, so anyone's able to join those Zoom meetings um, and they're all listed on our website. Um, and we have had the, you know, the basic discussion that um, it would definitely benefit the fellowship long term to at least continue a few of those meetings where those that are in remote areas or just in areas where they can't get to a meeting, you know, whether you're laid up at home with an injury or you know, you've got little kids to look after and you can't leave them alone at home, um, where those people will be able to jump on a Zoom meeting, which you can easily do on your phone or a laptop or a tablet, um, and still be able to get the help they need. So it is something we are looking at continuing. You know, we've got them happening now as a, you know, stopgap, so to speak, because we can't have physical meetings, um, but it is something we're looking at doing moving forward to be able to bridge those 
those gaps in the distances and things like that? Yeah, it's um, it's something that I'd never really thought would be useful or interesting myself until COVID-19 when it became absolutely essential and and everybody's jumped on it with a lot of enthusiasm which is really quite good and yeah we've had we've had people from interstate and I I also spoke to an AA member uh, on the show a couple of weeks ago and she was saying she got involved with a group in California AA that run a 24 hours a day seven days a week 365 days of the year zoom meeting I've heard about people, it. <laughs> yeah, people just take over. Yeah. Um, and she was sort of training to be a bit of a, a coordinator so she could do the, a, a two-hour shift um, on that. Yeah. 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 It's really- amazing what we can do once we, you know, communicate. And I think what's happened is, you know, COVID-19 is not a good thing, um, but there are some good things that are coming out of it, and that is the unity that's forming within our fellowship with people realising that it, it does reach further than your Tuesday night group that you go to every week. Um, it's, you know, having connections with people on the other side of the world and realising we are all the same. You know, a compulsive gambler is a compulsive gambler regardless of where you live or what time zone you live in or anything like that. So it's, it's been interesting. It's been good. Yeah, yeah, it has. So, yeah. Bill, yeah. Um, just on that with... Um, with the latest technology, you know, with Zoom, I hadn't I hadn't heard of Zoom prior to the pandemic, and um, it's been really good. And I've witnessed other members, same in the same situation as me, that um, were uh, weren't up to the technology. So they've been able to do it. So that's good. That's that's good. They've been able to join a Zoom meeting. So we really have to teach people like that. Now, the younger people are great. They teach us, but people my age, older, you know, have to Old be... Uh, yes, <laughs> yeah. We have, to be, we have to be trained. It's similar to your brain, you know, like being a uh, compulsive gambler. You have to retrain your brain that you're not a compulsive gambler. You always be a compulsive gambler if you gamble. But you just have to say, well, you know, train your brain that you're not a... You can't gamble anymore. So getting back to the meeting side of it too, we... Uh, and what Evie said about the um, the people that are donating their time, it's very very hard because they go to meetings. That's fine, and they can't get uh, we can't get enough volunteers. They go to a meeting, and that's the end of it. They'll go next week. But to get them to volunteer to do things, it's pretty hard because they just come out of a uh, they're, they're trying to manage their uh, situation as it is with being a compulsive gambler. But, um, and the problem there being that uh, we're self-supporting for our um, own contributions, so we really can't do anything much about um, uh, any, any, like financially, we're, we're only uh, supporting ourselves. So being a, uh, a member of a certain group, you have to have volunteers that are prepared to go out and look for new venues for those people that are in isolated areas. And, um, and that's pretty hard. It's pretty hard to get a meeting place that will, they don't give it to you for nothing, nothing for nothing. You have to hire a hall, uh, and be, well, to get a hall, you have to be prepared to pay. So we're in a situation, one of our groups um, up at Lilydale only had two meetings, and then the meeting, uh, then the meetings had to close down because of the uh, uh, coronavirus. But um, that was heck of a heck, heck of hard work for us to get a... Uh, uh, a church that would let us in and to uh, 
charges and we had to negotiate the money that they wanted to buy. They wanted to pay charges. So it's very, very difficult. So remote areas and over um, through the country, uh, like we've got um, meetings in Bendigo, Ballarat, uh, uh, Geelong, Albury, Wodonga that comes under New South Wales. Uh, we've got one in Carolgan that just started up at Christmas time. So um, there are meetings out there, but for people to get to uh, is one thing, and for us to pay for the uh, the venue itself is another thing. So Zoom meetings may be a uh, saving grace for us. Yeah, it um, it, it it solves um, some of those problems, um, but it, it's difficult to. Particularly if uh, we've had a few newcomers come to our meetings, which I was surprised at, that they feel quite um, relaxed doing that. But you can't sort of talk to them afterwards. You, you sort of miss out on that personal chatter, I guess. So, Yvonne, do you have a have you had what's your experience with COVID nineteen? So what we've had is we've had a few new members come onto the Zoom meetings, and it is quite difficult. Um, you know, some of them, you know, it's easy enough to jump on a meeting and they don't necessarily use the camera and they're not sure what to do or say. Um, you know, I've been hosting a lot of the meetings that are happening in Melbourne and, you know, I'll ask them where they're from, is it their first meeting? And, you know, in a chat, not, the, you know, not on the actual Zoom meeting face-to-face, but in the chat room. Um, and then they'll let me know it's their first meeting and I'll ask them for a postal address so I can send them a starter kit. Um, we've had a couple that have stuck around and we've had a couple that haven't. Um, but that's just like, you know, but it is the difficulty. That's normal, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's the difficulty of not having that face-to-face chat where you can chat to someone before a meeting and explain to them what they will find and then have a chat to them afterwards and see how they're feeling or, you know, at least be able to answer some questions for them. So what we've done in the in the Zoom meetings is if people have come on board and they are new, I try and connect them up with someone. So a lot of them have been guys and if they're girls, then, you know, I'll give them my number and say, look, give me a call. But you can't force the issue. It's like anything. You're always going to get people that come along and you're always going to have those that don't quite think they're ready yet. <laughs> um, yep. But at least the, pla- the seed is planted, so to speak. So, yep. yeah, we're trying to do what we can you know, given the limited circumstances we have at the moment. But, yeah, I'm surprised that a few newbies are jumping on meetings, which is great, or at least they're making contact. I know there's a lot that have made contact through email. I know the phones have been a little quieter, um, and I think people are just thinking, well, what's the use of calling if they're not, you know, they're not going to be open. Um, But there's a few that have been emailing and getting information and that sort of thing. So I've been sending out a lot of starter kits to people. And hopefully that'll, you know, plant the seed for when we do go back to real meetings and I'll be more comfortable walking into an actual room and stuff like that. Yeah. One of, one of the things that I've found is that sort of, I guess, the, the lack of electronic um, information for people, that all of our brochures and things are a hard copy. And it, it just means that it would be a lot easier if we had some electronic stuff that would be easy to send out to people and for people to download from the website and things like that. Um, because it is, you know, with a newcomer, they don't, they don't like to be, they don't like to feel like you've got them. They, they still want to feel detached and they can make their decisions. And, you know, I don't think anybody in a meeting tries to get newcomers in to stay. It's really trying to explain the benefit of looking at it and deciding for yourself if, if you want to take part. But having the ability to give people information electronically, I think would make it a bit easier. 
but um, yeah, there are certain things we can do and our website does have some basic information, um, you know, and yeah, look, we're happy to post stuff out. I, I'm not sure about getting, the, the other side of it is that every state has their own way of doing things. Um, and so our flyers may be slightly different from state to state because we'll have our personal details on there and that sort of thing. So to have something like that on the website to download, it, it might be worth looking at maybe getting something generic put up there. I know yeah. there is some information, but, you know, the flyers and stuff that we talk about are definitely not on there. It's something to think about for the future. Yeah. Uh, let's take another break. Housing for the Aged Action Group has gone digital to help stop the spread of the coronavirus, but we're still here. If you're over 50 years old and having problems with your housing, we can help. If you're having trouble paying the rent, problems with your retirement village manager, or concerned about your caravan park, give us a call on 1300 765 178. We can also help connect you with aged care services and emergency relief if you need it. Stay safe, everyone. Throughout the month of June, 3CR is running a station appeal. We're asking you, the listener, to donate to keep the station going. 3CR relies on the support of our listeners, but we know that many of you are doing it hard. So if you can't, we get it. But if you can, head to 3cr.org.au to make your tax-deductible donation to the 3CR station appeal. This is the Living Free Show on 3CR Digital Radio, live streaming on 3cr.org.au. And I'm talking with Eva and John about recovery from compulsive gambling with the help of Gamblers Anonymous. So the issues that all 12-step fellowships have is that they're pretty much on their own and they're, they're within their own bubble and they've got to do their own things. They're responsible for their own... Their independence means that they're responsible for their own future. Um, so what, what sort of challenges is um, GA facing looking forward? Um, I think some of the challenges are just getting people involved in the fellowship. I mean, like, like I said, there's a lot of members in the fellowship, but there's not a lot of members able to give their time to give back to the fellowship, to do some of the voluntary things that we need done. A few people are just happy to, to go to their meeting, go home, and that's all they get involved in um they don't go outside of their own group and so we're trying just trying to get that unity thing happening while you know asking members to go visit other meetings and that sort of stuff and i think this is where zoom is breaking down some of those barriers where people are meeting each other on zoom and realizing that oh that's from that group or that that person's from that group oh that's not far maybe i'll have to go visit them once we get back to live meetings and people are connecting with others without having to actually just walk into a room um, so, you know, the, the challenge moving forward is at the moment within Australia, we're all on the same page. We're all wanting the same thing. Um, but we are individual areas and we do things individually in that sense. We're trying to do things a little bit more unified, but we don't have one office in Australia. We have three areas in Australia and, um, you know, and each area is self-governing in that sense. So it, it's up to each group to do and this is the thing, like, you know, one person wants to make their, their flyer blue and the other one wants to make it red and, you know, each 
each can do their own thing. They, they govern themselves. You know, we have different roles on our regional service offices in the different states. You know, there's certain roles we need as a minimum and then you can add or detract whatever roles you want, depending on what you decide at your AGM. So there are differences in that sense, but our goal is the same. Our end goal is the same. It's, it's about helping compulsive gamblers not gamble. Yeah. You know, and then to therefore help others along the way. You know, so our main aim, our main focus of why we're there is the same. It's how we go about it that seems to differ a little bit. Victoria is quite centralised where majority of our meetings are basically in Melbourne, in and around Melbourne, whereas you go to New South Wales and they're all over New South Wales. There's, there's a lot of regional areas in New South Wales. They're not all concentrated in Sydney. The same with Queensland. You've got you know, the Gold Coast and Brisbane and the Sunshine Coast and then you've got your northern Queensland areas and, and that sort of stuff. And they're all spread out everywhere. Um, so they have a lot more regional area to cover and stuff as well. So it's, it's very interesting how it's, you know, we're one country but yet we're so different within each state. Um, yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, it's, um, it's hard to say. I, I know a lot of members in our group when we're on Zoom um, are keen to get back to meetings to get the face-to-face. -face. I think I think the face-to-face -face is really good. You know, Zoom is Zoom is good and face-to-face -face is good. I think I think what people have realised is that they're two different mediums that serve different purposes. Um, and a bit of both is probably is probably the best. But I, I think Zoom is going to open up particularly for isolated people. In, in, in my fellowship, we've got a lot of what we call loners, people who are individuals dotted around the, the country. Um, and, you know, having a Zoom meeting means that they, they can attend a meeting, whereas before they, they couldn't. And I think that's really good. And I think it, it sort of opens up the fellowship a lot. And I'm really hoping that might spur a lot of people who have an interest but don't have the enthusiasm to go or the fear of going to a meeting going to an online meeting is much easier. You know, it really is easy. And I was surprised how much newcomers would would come to a, a virtual meeting. You know, it's, it's sort of, a, they were still scared you know, of, of what what to find, I guess, but uh, but they felt more comfortable just, just doing it than having to plan to do it and to go out and to visit a, you know, a church or something at night and, yeah, so I think it I think it will help in that way to get people to to get some exposure to um, to programs like um, GIA um, and 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 hear some of the benefit. You know, be able to hear the stories. I think once you hear the story and you identify, it's pretty hard, you know, to reject that. You know, to say, "Well, oh, it's not me." So that's that's a great point, uh, yeah. Bill. Um, and just thinking, I think I know. Uh, was mentioned Evie or Evie mentioned that the prospect of us maybe having a, a Zoom uh, a meeting that's open to Zoom at a, at a virtual meeting um, and people can maybe Zoom in. But uh, I think Evie was looking into something like that. Is that right, Evie? Yeah, look, there's lots of opportunities. It just depends on how we do them. I mean, like I said before, Zoom is not replacing our real meetings. No. But in addition to... Um, you know, and, and the reality is, you know, we've got people that are in remote areas or they're in areas, you know, a little country town and there's the three odd that get together every week or whatever it may be. If they're able to jump on a Zoom meeting elsewhere and just get that extra strength and, and support, 
then they're going to stick around. It's it's when you you're doing the same thing week yes. in week out. You're talking to the same few people. You're hearing the same you know stories. You're not able to go into another meeting because you you know six hours away from your closest meeting. Um, it, it just becomes a bit stale and and that's a thing that I've always said to members in Melbourne you know they're going to their regular meeting and and they're going oh you know not feeling it not doing it for me at the moment it's like you need to mix it up you need to shake it up you need to go to another meeting you need to refresh it you know you need to hear some new stories and that sort of stuff and and that's what it's about it's about keeping it fresh it's about keeping it relevant it's about staying involved and making those connections if you start getting stale, it's like stop doing what you're doing and you've got to do, what are you going to do next? You need to keep learning. You need to keep, you know, that's the thing with us humans in general is we can constantly keep learning. It's not just about being in an actual fellowship. In general, we're always, if you're open to learning new things or hearing new things or, or taking things into consideration, we're constantly growing as humans. Um, and that's the same thing in a fellowship. You've got to keep it fresh. You've got to keep you know, listening to new ideas and trying new things and doing what you need for yourself to keep you connected and relevant. And I think, you know, the Zoom meetings are definitely going to have a part of our future to some degree. And I think it's going to bring us all a lot closer, as I've said. Um, you know, and it's, you know, for new members, I've noticed that, yeah, they jump on a Zoom meeting and they're actually pretty much giving a fair bit of themselves straight away, whereas in a real meeting face-to-face, you know, they're barely going to get up and share anything. Um, and I think part of it is because you're in the comfort of your own home. Yeah. You know, if, you're not, if you're not liking something, you just jump off. Like no one forced you to jump on the meeting and no one's forcing you to stay there. But you're staying there because you're hearing stuff that you want to, you know, that you're craving to hear. And therefore you feel comfortable enough to then share a part of yourself. So, yeah, it's interesting times. Definitely interesting times. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, listen, we might we might call it a day there. <clears throat> um, if anybody's out there and they'd like to find out more about Gambles Anonymous, uh, then you can find them in Victoria on 03 9696 6108 or you can go online at for for more information and for local phone numbers and meetings. Uh, that's about all we've got time for today. So I'd like to thank Yvonne and John for sharing their gambling recovery story with us and talking about Gamblers Anonymous. Thank you both. Thanks, Bill. Thank Thanks for your time. That's okay, Bill. And uh, just for the, the, the listeners that may listen to this, I hope that they, um, they'll uh, donate to the uh, PCR appeal and uh, be generous with it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I hope you're better to join us again next week when we'll feature recovery from compulsive drinking and we'll be joined by some members of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, thanks for listening and stay tuned now for more great shows on 3CR Community Radio. Just a quick reminder, send us in a donation to keep us on air for another year. Every little bit helps. Community Radio is your antidote to social isolation. Stay connected and listen to 3CR. 855 AM, 3CR digital and streaming and podcasting online at 3cr.org.au. What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. Tune in to Done By Law. An informal and irreverent look at the law. Critical insights and analysis from diverse community perspectives. 
done by law. 6pm Tuesdays.